Welcome to the First Church Orlando podcast. Here you will find recordings of weekly sermons, devotions, interviews, and seminar recordings from the First United Methodist Church of Orlando. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the podcast. So a core foundational principle, biblical belief in uh, Protestant Christianity and Methodism would be a Protestant church, is that our salvation is a free gift. There's nothing we have to do to earn it or deserve it. There's nothing we can do to earn it or deserve it. Ephesians 2.8 says, you are saved by grace because of your faith. This salvation is God's gift. It's a gift. It's a free gift. It doesn't matter uh, what your denominational preference is. It doesn't matter how biblically literate you are. It doesn't matter how much you put in the offering plate. I mean, it matters to me. But it doesn't matter for your salvation. It doesn't matter how frequent your worship attendance is or how many committees you serve on, what your theological biases are, or just how sweet or cute you are. None of that determines our salvation. Our salvation is a gift. I mean, this is core, right? Our relationship with God begins and ends with knowing that God loves us and that God wants the very best for us. That's grace. We call that grace. God's love and action working on our behalf for our spiritual benefit. But... The Bible also says things like Philippians 2.12, work on, or some versions say, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Or James 2.17, faith by itself, if it has no works, is what? Dead. So which one is it? Which one is it? Is salvation a free gift, or do I have to work out my own salvation? Which one is it? Who's right and who's wrong? Well, as most things, the answer is somewhere in between, isn't it? It's a little bit of both. Now, I want to be really clear. We are 100% saved by grace. Our salvation is 100% what God does for us. But once we are recipients of grace, once we come to the knowledge that God has a desire to work in our lives, to be in relation with us, a faithful response to grace is to engage, to to participate, to be part of what God's doing. To be in a long-term relationship with God is a a long-term process of becoming. It's God working with us cooperatively to become who we were created to be from the beginning. It's about spiritual growth. It's about finding out what our spiritual gifts are and how to use them. It's learning what love means and how really to be in a loving relationship. Throughout this uh, season of Lent, our series is Vices, Virtues, and Vows. Vices, Virtues, and Vows. By vices, we mean sins, and we're focusing on the seven deadly sins. Each week, we will be talking about one of them. 
but we also are not going to just wallow around in our sinfulness for the whole season. Instead, we're going to use these seven deadly sins to sort of offer a contrast to their corresponding virtue. That's what we're called to, is to become virtuous people. So by looking at each of these deadly sins, we'll see like who we could instead be if we join in participating in what God wants to do in our lives. Today, we're going to look at the spiritual sin, the seven, the deadly sin of sloth. Or if you're British, sleuth, sloth. Sloth is uh, laziness, right? Sloth is, is just kind of lackadaisical, not real motivated, kind of couch potato-ish, right? It's just as the animal uh, named the sloth, it just doesn't move too fast or with too much urgency. Now I have to admit, as long as I've thought about sloth as one of the deadly sins, I've always just thought it was just laziness. I thought, really? Deadly sin just for being lazy? But the deadly sin is not just about laziness. It's particularly about spiritual laziness. Sloth is the lack of motivation to engage with God, to grow spiritually, to connect with God and with our neighbors. It's lacking the spiritual motivation to become who we can be. There's no energy to pray. There's no energy to think about theological thoughts. There's no energy or desire to study or to participate in what God might be doing. There's no interest in becoming a virtuous person Dorothy Sayers defines sloth as the sin that believes nothing, cares to know nothing, seeks to know nothing, loves nothing, hates nothing, finds no purpose, finds purpose in nothing. Carl Menninger adds there's a sin of not doing, of not knowing, of not finding out what one must do, in short, of not caring. If you think about the, the sins we've already talked about, pride is that over-exaggerated sense of self-love. And last week we talked about greed. That's an uh, over-strong love of stuff and money, right? Well, for sloth, it's just not having the energy to love it all. Just not really caring all that much. Tony Campolo writes, laziness is what prevents us from loving. Love requires commitment and work, and those who are lazy are seldom willing to expend that kind of energy. For the lazy of the world, love is something that is just supposed to happen. So what is sloth? Well, when I don't feel much like praying and I'd just rather look at Facebook, that might be sloth. When when I'd rather just turn on CNN in the morning rather than read my Bible, or maybe write in a journal. Well, that could be sloth. When I'd rather sleep in, stay in bed, than go to church on a Sunday morning. Not that anybody here would ever have done that, right? That, that could be sloth. When I'm content to know what I know, that might be sloth. When I treat church as a commodity to be consumed at my convenience, that could be sloth. 
when I doubt that my voice, my participation, my contribution, my gifts would make any difference, so why bother? That could be sloth. When I'm content with the opinions I already have and don't really want to be challenged, that could be sloth. When I know I'd benefit from a book club or a Bible study or maybe even an appointment with the pastor, but I never get around to signing up, that, that could be sloth. Sloth is just when it lacks the energy or motivation to even care. And so Proverbs 6, 9 asks, How long will you lie there, O lazy bones? When will you rise from your sleep? Before Lent started, uh, my wife Kelly asked me uh, numerous times uh, what I was going to do for Lent, meaning what am I going to give up or what am I going to take on? You know, it's kind of a traditional thing you do during Lent. She asked me many times, and I kept saying, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Then finally, by Ash Wednesday morning, I came up with a plan and I have implemented it. But up to that point, even though my wife was asking me, you know, what, you know, pastor, what are you doing for Lent? I don't know. That was sloth, right? Something I think we ought to always remember is that sloth isn't just, you know, laziness, but it impacts our relationship with God. If we're not going to invest in our relationship with God, how do we expect it to become rich and growing and intimate? Just like our human relationships, right? If I want to have a connection with you, I need to work at that, right? Or if I'm going to have a deep, loving relationship with my wife, that takes intentionality. Would we expect any less in our relationship with God? And let me add one more thing about sloth. The stereotype, of course, of the slothful person is the couch potato. The person that just never gets around doing anything. It ought to be said that the slothful person might also be the most busy person you know. That sometimes the people that are most energetic and busy sometimes don't have any room for God. They're just too busy, right? That could be sloth too. That I just don't have energy for that in particular. Let's be clear. Sloth is not about taking a day off or rest or recreation. There's nothing wrong with that. Sloth is not Sabbath-keeping. We're commanded to have a day of rest. Sloth is not taking an afternoon to sit on the couch and read a good book. That's okay. Sloth is not taking a nap. I had a nun as a professor in one of my classes in seminary, and one of the students in the class said, what what, what do I do about falling asleep when I pray? Like, I just keep falling asleep when I pray. And she said, well, maybe God's telling you you're tired. (laughs) Nothing wrong with taking a nap, right? We all need rest and relaxation. That's not sloth, right? Sloth is laziness in our spiritual desire, So I said, we're not going to spend all of our time wallowing in our sinfulness. We're going to turn to the virtue. And in this case, the virtue is diligence, spiritual diligence, right? The point of this is not just make ourselves feel bad, but to say there are virtues that God would like to help develop in our life. Diligence, from a non-spiritual perspective, according to Merriam-Webster, is steady earnest and energetic effort, devoted and painstaking work, 
to accomplish an undertaking. So we might say for spiritual diligence, the desire, intent, and commitment to seek and grow in our love for God and neighbor. To become who God created us to be. To become virtuous in every aspect of our life. But becoming virtuous takes some time and effort and intentionality. We don't become virtuous people just by joining the church and saying, oh, I'm a member at First Church Orlando, as virtuous as we all are, right? You know, it didn't come from that. It doesn't just come from one day kneeling at an altar and, and responding like in some like kind of deeply spiritual moment. Virtue is something that happens over time. Think of other ways that you're diligent in your life, ways that you've worked to become good at something. Maybe it was earning a degree. Maybe it was some special project that took extra time and attention. Maybe it was just improving your tennis or golf game. Maybe it was learning how to play a musical instrument or writing a book or preparing special food for a special guest or trying to lose weight, working on a promotion at work. Think about the time and effort and energy it takes to do any of those things. Why would we ever expect our relationship with God to require less? Kathleen Norris writes, we want life to have meaning and we want to be fulfilled. And it's hard to accept that we find these things by starting where we are, not where we'd like to be. And Lamott says, the secret is that God loves us exactly the way we are and that God loves us too much to let us stay like this. And Sumon Kidd adds, the life of the Spirit is never static. We're born on one level only to find some new struggle toward wholeness gestating within. That's the sacred intent of life of God, to move us continuously toward growth. Let's go back to our our two animals, the sloth and the ant. A sloth barely moves as much as 50 yards in a single day. They're content to just kind of hang out wherever they are. Whereas an ant can travel as many as three to four miles in a day. Sloths are barely on the move. Ants never stop being on the move. And ants can carry nearly 50 times their body weight. Proverbs 6.6 6 says, Go to the ant, you lazy bones. Consider its ways and be wise. What would it be like to be that ever-moving, progressing ant? When we think about the diligence it takes to grow into the people God calls us to be. So we said, through Lent, we're going to tell you about a vice every week. We're going to talk about a virtue every week. This week, the vice was sloth. The virtue was diligence. Well, every week, we're going to offer a vow. A vow is just a commitment to do something. And so rather than just hearing about these things, we're going to suggest some things you could do. And this week, it's really simple. Maybe you have a project at home or work that you haven't thought about in a while, that you've kind of put on the shelf and haven't gotten it done. So maybe the vow this week is simply get it done. Clean out the closet and give some stuff away. Pull out that book that you never finished and get to reading, whatever it might be. Maybe it's not even spiritual, but maybe if we're more, more habitual about being diligent in other areas of our life, we might bring that into our spirituality as well.
We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, we invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.